0: And um, today we're going to talk about unhindered passion. And um, it's Pentecost Sunday, which is the Sunday that we celebrate the birth of the church, where the Holy Spirit came on the disciples. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. The scripture says that it acts that the literal building shook with a violent wind because of the power of the Holy Spirit. We've, We've talked this morning, we've worshiped we realize and we recognize the need for the Holy Spirit. Today's message is going to be a little bit different. I had planned, uh, I was gone this week on a conference with our, our state, and today I was going to go a different direction, and the Lord just said, you know what, this is what we need to talk about today as a church. And so today's message is going to come as a challenge. Today's message is going to come even as a, a warning Because we're living in a day and an age where we cannot take it for granted anymore. We cannot live so loosely. We cannot live so much a part of the world, but then also trying to be a part of what God is doing. We're getting to a point where (laughs) there's a very defined line. And as Christ followers, we've got to stand with truth, stand for truth. And that can't be redefined. The Bible has given us all that we need. The Bible is God's written word. Jesus is the living word. And we cannot rewrite what God says about life and holiness, how we're to operate, how we're to live, and how we're to lead. Amen? And so there's coming a time where, as Christians, we're going to have to make some decisions. And it's concerning when I look at the church as a whole, the big church. Because I think that we've gotten away from some of the things that we used to do and used to be known as. Like, for instance, do we hear of this phrase, oh, that person, he's on fire for God. Do you remember hearing that long ago? Right? Somebody would be categorized as, oh, they, they love Jesus. They're a Jesus freak. Right? They're a Bible thumper. Do you remember those days? We don't hear it anymore. We don't hear people being categorized as on fire for Jesus. And you know what? When I thought about that, you guys, it broke my heart. It made me step back and go, what are we doing, church? The Bible's real specific that Jesus, if we're lukewarm, he will spit us out of his mouth. He said, be hot or be cold. He'd rather you be hot or cold. But the lukewarm part, he's going to have no business with. And my job as pastor is to help us make sure that we're ready, make sure that we're walking with Christ, that we're living holy and righteous. That doesn't mean perfect because the Bible's real clear for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. We all need the cross of Jesus every single day. But I think that we've gotten a little too comfortable with the world. We've gotten a little too close to the world that a lot of us look no different, act no different. We're bogged down with the things of the world no different than those that are struggling in darkness. And yet we have the truth, we have light, we have the hope of Jesus and the freedom that comes in his name. I know that's somber and I know that's a little heavy. But if we don't talk about it, we can't just continue on as if that's not the case. And so today's call, today's challenge is for us to look individually at our hearts, look individually at our lives and ask ourselves, where are we at? Because Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for a church that's free of spots and wrinkles. He's looking for holiness. He's looking for people that are blameless. Again, not perfect, but whose heart's direction that says, Jesus, I want you and only you. So today's a loving reminder, a loving challenge from the word of God. Where has the passion gone? Where has it gone? We're going to be reading from Revelation chapter 2, so if you have your scripture, whether digital or in person, turn to Revelation 2. But let's just pray as we get into the word today. Father God, we thank you, Jesus, for your presence here. God, we just pray in these next few moments as we open up your scripture, God, we pray that you will illuminate truth to us. God, open our ears, open our eyes. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you will speak to us. Show us places in our lives that we need to surrender to you, that we need to allow you to heal, that we need to give up once and for all. God, I pray that you will fan the flame in our lives. Father, for those that have lost the passion for Christ, God, I pray today they would remember, they would repent and return to you, Jesus You are our source. You are where we get all that we need. And so, Lord, we pray for the next few moments as we talk, as we look into your word, God, that you'll challenge us. We thank you that you do it in love, God. We thank you that there's not condemnation when you challenge us with truth, God. You bring it with love and with grace. And so, God, we thank you for that. But, God, we want to leave different. We want to leave with more of you, with more capacity to know you and to love others, so, God, we thank you so much, Father, in your precious name. Amen. Amen. There's a story that goes like this, and I want you guys to picture this with me. It's an older couple, all right? They're riding down the road together. They're in the same car that they got married in, a 65 Mercury Monterey, all right? Complete with AM, FM stereo, all right? Yes. Power brakes, Woohoo. And wing windows, you guys probably don't even know what wing windows are. They were in the back and they'd flip out, all right? You, you, yeah, some of you know what wing windows are. And a vinyl bench seat for the front, okay? So this is classic, right? They were taking their Sunday drive to the country together after picking up their ice cream cone, when suddenly the wife looks over at her husband and says, when we first got married, you... Talk to me and tell me about your dreams. You'd stop and pick up flowers for me. You'd have your arm around me, pulling me close as we drove. She said, now look at us all this time later. I'm all the way over here and you're all the way over there. What's happened? The old man drove on silently for a few minutes and he finally spoke up. And he said, you know, It's funny, I'm still sitting in the same spot I've been in. And what's crazy is we can be sitting in the same spot and not realize how far we've gotten away from our first love, right, being Jesus. We can be sitting in the same pew, the same seat at church, doing the same things and be, like, so far away from the beginning when we first came to know Christ. It happens in marriages. It happens in friendships, right? But we're talking today about the relationship with our Savior. Passion is defined as a strong and barely controllable emotion. That passion for Christ that once burned. Do you remember when you accepted Jesus And you had that love for him, you were gonna go turn the world upside down because of what he did for you. Do you remember that? Synonyms for the word passion are love, affection, devotion, respect, desire, and longing. You know, today's message, I had to eat it myself first. I'm not just up here talking to you. I've walked this. I've had to pray through this. I've had to ask the Lord to forgive me because I can't bring anything to you that it hasn't been walked through in my own life. And I'm going to tell you that I, I want to be better as far as a Christ follower. I want to have that passion that I used to have because I have lots of those, oh yeah, remember then, remember when, right? Yeah. We all have those stories. When we used to pray longer or we'd go to prayer meetings or we'd go to worship nights or we'd be involved in church or we'd be, we have a lot of those back then or in those days, Jesus help us, right? Here are some indicators if you've lost your passion for Christ. Number one, routines become more important than passion. Your service has no substance. You're indifferent towards others. You begin to have small compromises. Committees become more important than the commission. Being on the right team, being on the right group becomes more important than the actual commission. Our desires override the desire and will of God. Our desires override the desire and the will of God. Our love for the things of man overrides our love for the things of God. Lord, help us, right? Lord, help us gain our passion back, our passion that once burned for Christ, that caused us to surrender all. We sing that, I surrender all. Oh, but do we? If you love the world, you will despise the truth of Christ. In John 3.20, it says this, For everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. If you love the world, you will despise the truth of Christ. We're watching that happen all over in our country. We're watching people despise truth. It's getting worse and worse. And they're coming after our kids. They're coming after babies and toddlers and kindergartners and elementary kids. Evil is invading are we aware? Do we realize what's going on? Are we standing firm on truth? Are we praying for what's going on? Praying against the darkness that's coming after our families, coming after our children? We need to wake up, right? Am I the only one? You, are you, you're aware, right, what's going on in the world, right? Your schools with the kids and the agenda, right? You're aware of that, right? I'm not the only one. Cause I hardly watch the news anymore, cause I can't even handle it. But I have to every so often just to know what's going on. God help us. We need to be on our face. This world is rejecting truth at a, a huge stage, right? Part of our postmodern era is a hostility and a dismissal for absolute truth. They just thrown it out in general. Now it's you can decide whatever you want, and that has to be acceptable. Huh. No. No, 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 there's absolute truth, the truth of the word of God, and that's where we get everything, the plumb line for everything that we decide, everything we know. In America, we've always lived bountifully under the freedoms of our constitution, which include religious freedoms. Thank you, Jesus. We talked about it. We prayed. We thank, we're thankful for the men and women who have enabled us to have those freedoms, right? In our country, being a Christian is not a crime, at least right now, for now, that could change very quickly. Do you guys realize that? I encourage you to get in your Word of God and be memorizing your Scripture. Because they're coming after truth, they're coming after the things that we know and believe. And you need to know God's Word, you need to have it in your heart so that you won't sin against Him. Our digital devices at some point could be obsolete. We need to know the word of God. What happens when the church loses its love for the truth of God? That's a scary thing to think about. You guys see it, you know churches and other denominations and they're embracing things of the world. They're allowing things that go against scripture, literally in their pulpits. God help us. We cannot compromise. And so in Revelation chapter 2, this is why these Paul wrote these letters to the churches in this time, because they were going through some of the same things we're going through. Things don't really change. People don't really change, right? Because there really is an, an evil and a good. There's an enemy and there's God, right? Throughout all time. The enemy's plan is to kill, steal, and destroy all of God's kids. He wants to take people to hell where he's damned, right? He's going to try as much as possible to steal all of God's kids. That's the the whole point. And so Paul writes this letter to the church of Ephesus. So turn with me to Revelation chapter 2. And this is where we come in today because I believe that this letter to the church of Ephesus can be read to us today as the church of Rockside and the church at whole, all right? And it says this, verse 2 through 7. And again, this is Paul writing to These were actual churches in this time. They actually existed. All right. This was the church in Ephesus. It says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. And then verse 6 says, Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practice of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Verse 7 says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So Jesus says, I know your deeds. He's seeing what the church is doing, all the good things. He's commending them. But then he says, but I have this against you. You have forsaken your first love. What do you think our passion should be as a church, as a people? It's really twofold. Love God and love people. Our passion should be all surrounding that. Love God and love people. Mark chapter 12 verse 30 says this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Love the Lord your God with all. It doesn't say part, doesn't say some, it doesn't say the things that are easy. It says all. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. That's where our passion needs to lie And then we need to love other people. So yeah, love God with all. But then we also have to love others. And that's where we need His help sometimes, right? Because we're not always easy to love, and sometimes it's hard to love others. But that's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us to love others. Mark twelve thirty one says, the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and then to love others as yourself. How are we doing, church, with that? Those two things, love God and loving others. How are we doing? Look at your heart right now. Look at your life right now. Are you doing those things? Do you enjoy those things? Are you passionate about loving God? Are you passionate about loving people? Because if not, then that shows you that you've lost your first love, that you've lost that passion that you used to have. So how do we return to our first love? If we've lost it, if we've lost that passion, how do we get it back? Amen? You guys, thank you for asking. I'm so thankful that you were asking that. <laughs> guys, I know it's heavy, but goodness, this is where we're at. I don't want us to just go through the motions God is preparing our church for who he's bringing. And we need to be ready. We need to be healed and whole. We need to allow the Lord to bring deliverance so that we can help others, so that we can set others free because of what God's done in us. We need to not be bogged down by all the stuff in the world. I challenge you to like shut off all that stuff. Just give it a try even for like a week. Just stop watching crazy movies and stop wa- listening to the news and all the things that are negative and dark and e- like just cut it all out for a time. I promise you, it changes everything. Because what we put in resides and then starts to affect us and then comes out. Our eye gates, what we hear, what we listen to, it's so important that we guard that, we steward that. So how do we return to our first love? Real quick, we we have to remember. We have to remember what it's like to love Jesus. Go back to when you met Jesus that first time, you accepted him as your Lord and Savior. Remember, remember that. Remember when you were most in love with Christ. What did that look like? What did you do? How were you operating? What did your life look like? So we need to remember, but then we also need to repent. Repent. Repentance begins with Jesus, or it begins with God. Repentance comes from a recognition of sin. Sin is anything that separates us from God. Do we get that? Sin is anything that separates us from God. We need to repent. Repentance will result in a changed life. Repentance means we turn and we go the opposite direction. We're no longer going that way. We've turned and we're walking a totally different way. We've lost the heart of repentance. I was um, looking through, uh, we have Pure flicks, and I was looking through, they have a couple like end times Christian movies, and I clicked on one and there was the scene and it was after the rapture of the church. And so this church was an older style church with pews, And this church was jam-packed with people. There wasn't a seat in the building. They were bawling. They were crying. They were brokenhearted because they realized they'd missed the rapture. And it hit me. It struck me, church, because I'm like, man, I wish churches could be like that before. Right? Before they missed the opportunity at that time but we've gotten comfortable, we've gotten far away, you know, now we have online church, which I'm grateful for, but boy, does it make it really easy to not be committed to your local church, boy, does it make it really easy to, today, I'm just going to stay home. And again, thankful and grateful, I'm grateful for technology, because the word can go across the country and the world, so we're thankful for it, but you can see how it also cannot be a positive, right? We need the local church. We, the Bible says don't forsake the gathering together. Because guess what? We're somebody else's miracle. We're here. We don't come just to like, drive through McDonald's and put our order in. We're here because God needs us to be the body of Christ for each other. Some of you are each other's miracle. Friendship, relationship, maybe what you've gone through and God's freed you up, your testimony will help somebody else. But guess what? If you're not here, that's never going to happen. You're not able to to pray with people. You're not able to connect in. Guys, we've got to come back to our first loves. Jesus, faith community. We've got to remember. We've got to repent. And then we've got to return. Return to serving for the right reasons. Return to having a passion for Jesus once again. Return to Christ and his fellowship church, the local community being a priority instead of all these other things becoming a priority. And all of a sudden church, you know, they say statistics are people that went to church before COVID twice a month, right? Now only go once. Jesus help us, right? God help us. The church in Ephesus was a lot like us, and that's why this letter was written to them. If Jesus were to write a letter to us today, what do you think he'd say? I thought a lot about that, and that's why, that's why this message is coming to us today. That's why this challenge is here. The greatest need for the church today isn't programs and we're thankful for what we have. It's not buildings or plans. And again, we're thankful, but that's not the greatest need. The greatest need for the church today is to be faithful to Jesus. Just like when a man and woman commit in marriage to be faithful to each other, right? We need to be faithful to Jesus. We need to return back to our love for him. Ephesus was a strong church. It was central to what was going on in the world. The city of Ephesus was a port for Asia. It was known as the light of Asia. And because of this harbor, it was a central trading hub in all of Asia. The prominent feature, though, in this city was this this temple of Artemis or Diana. The temple was made of beautiful, glittering, glittering marble. It was 420 feet long, so imagine this, all right, in this city. 260 feet wide, with columns reaching 60 feet in the air. So this is this temple to this goddess, God, Artemis Diana, all right? It was the central hub in this city of Ephesus of prostitution, crime, all kinds of evil living. Historians say that there were scores of eunuchs and thousands of priestesses and prostitutes, singers and dancers that would surround in the city around this, you know, beautiful goddess. The worship was kind of like a hysteria. There was all kinds of debauchery, drunkenness, sexual deviations, frenzy of shameless mutilations. I mean, crazy stuff. As I was like reading, I'm like, wow. We're, we're hearing all kinds of crazy stuff going on, right? We're, we're there right now. And where are we? Have we lost our first love? Situated in the middle of the city of sin is a group of Christians. They're trying to proclaim the gospel, trying to proclaim the truth. <laughs> they weren't trying to entertain or comfort the sin, They were laboring in the fields of spiritual filth, literally. That requires maturity, perseverance, and thick skin. And this church was, Jesus commended them for that. But then he said, but yet I have this against you. You have lost your first love. Guys, have we lost our first love? Scripture says in Galatians 6, 9, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Someone needs to hear that today. Don't become weary in doing good. For at the proper time you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. Hebrews 12:1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. Okay? Unhindered, right? We want to be unhindered in our lives. Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Amen? We need to throw off that sin, whatever's entangling us, whatever's got us all caught up, we need to let it go. Give it to the Lord and move on. So the question is, have you abandoned your love for God? Our mission is to love God and to love others. That's how we glorify Jesus. So here's a heart checkup for you. Here's some things to try on, all right? If you're in leadership and you're serving and you're doing that without love, you might be in danger that you've lost your first love. If you're in a position of serving and you are doing so Without love, you're in danger that you've lost your first love. If you're newer to the faith and that initial zeal for God, that it's dwindling, that passion is really no longer there, you're in danger that you lost your first love. If the time that you spend in the word and in prayer and worship has faded, and now you hardly have time because everything else takes that position, you're in danger that you have lost your first love you are compromising in areas of your life with sin, you're in danger that you've lost your first love. So today is a call, a call for you to return, a call to remember, a call to repent, and a call for us to return to our first love. you, Jesus. I know it's tough. It's a tough truth, but God is calling us to take inventory. God is calling us to look at our own lives, not point fingers, not look at the person to your right or to your left. So I want you to ask yourself in your heart of hearts, have you lost some of the passion that you once have had. You might be in this room today and you've never even received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So today would be a great opportunity for you to say yes to that invitation and accept Jesus into your heart, and into your life. But for the rest of us, the challenge to you today is, have you lost your first love? I want us to, in a moment, um, we're going to play a song called Returning. And um, I'm going to let the song play a little bit. We won't let the whole thing play, um, and I'm going to give some direction. But I want you guys to bow your heads, and I want you to listen to the words of this song because this really is the prayer of where we're at. We're asking the Lord to help us know what's going on in our heart, to show us those places that we need to remember, that we need to repent of, and we need to return to Him. So let's bow our heads across this room, and if you'll go ahead and play that song, and then I'll give some direction. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to read the words while we're waiting for it. It says, oh, there it is. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just take a moment right now and just listen and reflect. Ask the Lord what's going on in your heart. Thank you, Jesus.